0: Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast of Bridgepoint Church. Stay tuned after the podcast for a short message, but for now, let's jump right in. This morning, we are continuing right along in our series called Teach Us to Pray. We've really just been looking at how do we grow and deepen our life of prayer. You know, we've got a little bit of mixed response to this series. That's understandable. I know there's some people who are like, Matt, this is the best thing we've ever done. I'm like so excited. We're diving in. We're just ready to go. It's It's awesome. And then there's some of you who are like, oh my gosh, we're doing this? Like, I understand one message on prayer, but why do we need a whole series? I mean, Matt, this is basic, simple stuff. Like, why are we doing this? And to be honest with you, in the not-so-distant past, that probably would have been my attitude as well. But the reality is some of the same reasons that we're, like, dreading going through an entire series on prayer, those are the exact reasons that we should be doing a series on. On prayer, Because for a lot of us, our approach to prayer is like, well, prayer is just talking to God. And prayer is like, I'm going to ask him for things and then I'll get things. Like, ask and receive. That's what the Bible says. But the reality is, kind of our tagline for this series is that prayer isn't about getting God to do what we want. It's about becoming the people that he wants. Prayer isn't about manipulating God to do stuff for us. It's about inviting him to change our lives so that we look more like him. In fact, the title of this series just comes from a question the disciples asked Jesus. In fact, I said this the other week. This just blows my mind. The fact that the disciples saw Jesus do things like feeding thousands of people with very little food. They watched Jesus walk on water. They saw him calm the storms. They watched him heal people who were blind, raise people from the dead, cast out demons, confront religious authorities, teach with power unlike anyone else. And out of all those things, the disciples never asked Jesus, would you teach us how to deliver a really powerful? sermon. Jesus, would you teach us how we can calm the storms? No, they didn't ask any of those questions. They simply asked Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And here's why, because the disciples knew that everything Jesus did and accomplished, he did. It was an overflow out of his life of prayer and his connection to God. And if we want to be the kind of people that God is changing and shaping, if we want to be the kinds of people that see heaven come to earth, then it has to be born out of this deep desire and time spent in prayer and connection with God. See, my heart is that we would become a people known for prayer and that this church would become known as a house of prayer. But even more than that, I think some of us, we have so simplified prayer that we've completely missed the point. You say, well, prayer is talking to God. The reality is that that may not be entirely incorrect, but it's just an incomplete answer. Because prayer is certainly more than just talking to God. Because how many of you have ever had somebody come up and say, hey, I need to talk to you for a moment. Hey, I'd like to speak to you about something. Like no one ever wants to talk to you and like share good news with you, right? It's always like, I want to get you to do what I want you to do. I need to get some things off my chest. We need to set the record straight. The reality is prayer isn't talking to God. It should be a conversation with God. And that conversation becomes the framework for which God changes us. Because when you talk with somebody, yes, you get to share your heart. But what also are you doing? You're listening to their heart. See, to have a conversation with somebody isn't just seeking to be heard, but it's actually hearing from them. It's not just seeking to be understood, but it's to understand them. And in the same way, I wonder how many of our prayers are just these drive-by prayers. God, help me with this. Help my spouse with this. Let's do this. Boom. We're on to the next thing. By the way, that's how toddlers talk to adults, right? You ever have a conversation with toddlers? You like try to change the subject and they're still stuck on the last thing, right? Like they only want to talk about what they want to talk about. They're not talking with you. They're talking to you. And my fear is that for many of us, our prayers look like toddler conversations with God. And he's called us into something deeper, something richer. He's called us to be able to not just to talk to him, but to talk with him. And that means that we have to learn how to listen to God. And so we've been talking about different kinds of prayers. Last week, we talked about fixed hour prayer. So you can go to bpc.live prayer. There's a prayer resource there. Anybody here just participate in that with us over the last week? Any of a handful of us? That's great. I would encourage you keep going strong. It's just a resource. So it's morning, noon and night prayers just to pray by yourself with your family, just getting in that routine, that habit of spending time with God. Today, we're going to talk about a different kind of prayer. That's called listening prayer. If you've been at Bridgepoint long enough, you know when it comes to series titles, sermon titles, I'm not great with that. But, you know, now we're, by the way, our podcast is on Spotify now, right? We've hit it the big time. And so if you want to follow along, you can check us out on there and always check us out on YouTube. But if I was going to sit down and put the message on Spotify and come up with a title other than listening prayer, what I would call this message is how to hear from God. Because one of the questions I get asked most often as a pastor is, Matt, how do I hear from God? I want to listen to him. I want him to speak to me. How do I hear from God? And so this morning, I want to share a handful of ways that God speaks to us. And then I want to turn the attention to say, how can we position ourselves so we can actually hear from him? Does that sound good? All right. So, so how does God speak to us? There's a number of different ways. It's not an exhaustive list, but I will say the primary way that I believe God speaks to us is through Scripture. A lot of times people say, well, well, man, I haven't heard from God. It's like, well, have you spent time reading his word? Because he did give us his message right here. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. And in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Now, the author of Hebrews is someone steeped in the Jewish tradition. And so when they say, long ago, God spoke through his prophets, we hear prophet, we know that we don't have Isaiah and Jeremiah walking among us today, but we certainly have the written record of their message. And then when he says, in recent times, he spoke to us through his son, Jesus isn't walking with us the same way that he walked with his disciples, but we have a written record of his life. Like The prophets and Jesus are still speaking to us today through scripture. In fact, there's a story at the end of the book of Luke. There's these two men who are leaving Jerusalem. Jesus has just been crucified, and word has not yet gotten out about his resurrection. And so they're disappointed. They're discouraged. They thought Jesus was the Messiah. They thought he had come to bring God's kingdom in full. And yet they sat there and watched as he was crucified, and his life left his body. And so they were discouraged heading back home when a stranger walks up alongside him. Now, we're led into the fact that this stranger is actually Jesus. And they don't recognize him, whether it's because he looked different or they just weren't expecting to see him there. I don't know. But when Jesus comes up, the conversation he enters into, it says that he walked through the law and the prophets. He walked them through scripture, showing how Jesus really is the one he claimed to be. Even Jesus spoke through scripture. And I believe Jesus is still speaking through scripture today. In fact, a a few years ago, um, I had this one person, and um, they're no longer part of our church, but at the time, they wanted to meet a lot. And every time they wanted to meet, there was a complaint. I'm not talking, like, serious issues. There's always, like, music's too loud, auditorium's too cold, kids are too loud. Like, you know, just kind of, like, little trivial things. So they reached out to me one week and said, Pastor Matt, I'd love to meet. So I would love not to meet, but we can get together. That's fine. And so we get a meeting on the books and like the day is approaching and I'm just getting worked up. I'm like, you know, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm just going to go on before he said anything. I'm going to lay down the law like I'm tired of this. When you have a real complaint, you can bring it. But we don't. This is not about you. Like I'm just running through my mind, all the things I want to say. And so the morning of the meeting comes and I get up and I go downstairs and I'm reading my Bible and I'm like, God, give me a word to say to this guy today. I'm like ready for it. And as I'm reading through the Gospels, I come to this one section where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, you're going to face persecution. And when that day comes, you don't need to defend yourself in advance. Just trust the Holy Spirit in the moment. Now, make no mistake, I was not being persecuted. All right. It was a little annoying for sure. But none of us here are really experiencing persecutions. But as I read that, I thought, if the disciples who would go to their death who had faced that kind of persecution, were told to rely on the Holy Spirit in those confrontations. How much more should I listen to the Holy Spirit when I'm just being annoyed with somebody? And so I go in for the meeting that day and I sit down across the desk and he sits down and I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, Matt, just be quiet. I'm like, all right, I can do that. And as he begins to talk, he's not sharing complaints, but he begins to apologize for some of the things that he'd been frustrated with. And and we had this great moment of reconciliation there that would not have happened if I decided to do things my own way, that would not have happened if I had not allowed God to speak to Scripture through me. So make no mistake, I'm not the hero in that story. God is the hero because he's the one who told me, be quiet and just let me do the work that I want to do. But God speaks to us through Scripture. I also think God speaks to us through other people. I don't know if you ever had this moment happen to you before. You're sitting in a room maybe like this, and the pastor gets up to deliver the message, and you don't know them. He certainly doesn't know you, and all of a sudden you're like, they're speaking directly to me right now. Like it's freaky that they know all the stuff that's going on in my life. In fact, this happened to me this week, um, our staff, we went to uh, a ministry conference and um, on the way over there, we were just talking about some things in the car and we sat down for the very last session. As the speaker got up and started to speak, they just said something and we all turned and looked at each other because it was just confirmation about that same thing we were talking about on the way to the conference. This person has no idea who I am, no idea of the conversations we were having. And yet God used that person to speak to me. By the way, God will use other people in our lives that we would speak to each other. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, that's, by the way, why we gather together. He says, uh, Paul says, when you gather together, I want you to desire love and desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. I don't know if you're like me, and maybe you grew up in a more conservative background. You're like, prophecy, all right, what's about to happen here? You're getting on the edge of your seat. But Paul defines prophecy by encouraging and building up one another. See, the reason Paul understood we gather together is not so we get a fresh word from God today. It's not so, that, oh, man, I need to get fed. I need to worship. That's not why we gather together. We gather together so we can build one another up. And if you're here this morning, it's because there's somebody else here that you need to offer a word of encouragement to, because sometimes you're going to speak and that's going to hit at the heart of something God's been talking to them about. God will talk to us through people. God also talks to us through impressions. There's oftentimes you say, well, I think like the Holy Spirit put this on my heart. This could be maybe somebody's name that you just can't get out of your head. Maybe it's just something you feel like you're being led to do. And this week while I was out of town, I just had somebody's name just put on my heart. And I was like, you know what? I, I need to stop. I need to pray for this person. And so I did. And I sent him a text message, said, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And then a few hours later, they texted me back and said, they said, I know the exact moment that you prayed for me because I was having a rough day at work and I just had to take a break from this thing I was working on. And as I stepped away, I felt this peace just settle in on me. I just want to say, like, thank you for praying. And again, it's just an example of the Holy Spirit can put things, can put people on your hearts and in your minds. And these are ways that that we hear and we listen to God. And the last way that I'll talk about, just because I think sometimes this is misunderstood, is that God will speak to us through our circumstances. God will speak to us. In fact, um, growing up, uh, my dad um, would oftentimes fill in for people as a a pastor at different weekends. And he had this one message. We used to tease him. Like, I could probably recite the whole sermon to you right now because it's like his go-to sermon is on Psalm 23. Um, But the reason he had a go-to sermon is because one time when he went home to visit his parents, he's sitting in the pew and the pastor got up and said, oh, Philip's here. Philip, why don't you bring us the sermon today? I mean, I have one time and you'll have a sermon with you everywhere you go after. I mean, can you imagine if I'm just like, all right, Jamie, come on up. You're delivering the message today. No, sir, please don't. Uh, <laughs> so he has this message on the 23rd Psalm, and there's this one line I'll always remember. It says, the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. See, and there's sometimes like God has called us to lie down in green pastures, but if we don't take Sabbath, if we don't take rest, if we don't lie down in green pastures, sometimes he will make us lie down in green pastures. Sometimes you're in a situation and God's called you to move somewhere else and he will just make that situation so untenable and so uncomfortable that you'll have to leave. Like there are times where God will work through that. But, but I, I put circumstances last because I think these are the ones we have to be very careful about. Because sometimes we need the faith to leave, but sometimes we need the faith to stay in a difficult circumstance and situation. So how do we know the difference? Because how many of you know that all those things, Scripture, people, impressions, circumstances, all those can be manipulated to say whatever you want them to say? right Scripture can be manipulated. Hitler used Scripture to justify what he did. Slaveholders justified scripture. Abusive people manipulate scripture. So, So we can take all those things and manipulate them. So here's the beautiful thing. God causes all these things to work in concert together. And so listen, maybe you're reading in scripture and you feel like God's calling you to do something. Ask some other people. This is what Paul did. Paul didn't just pray, God, where do you want me to go? He asked the elders of the church to pray with him. And when they came all together in agreement, they knew that was God. Not just I read this verse and I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. But do we have it confirmed through people? You're in a tough circumstance. Go to scripture and see what is God leading you. You have this impression. Well, maybe you should ask a spiritual parent. What should I do about this? And so all those things work together and God will speak through those ways. And he'll speak in one way and confirm it through another. But when God is speaking, how many of you know you can speak? And that doesn't necessarily mean somebody's listening. And God can be speaking to us, but that doesn't mean we're listening and that we're hearing. So how do we ready ourselves so we can actually hear when God does speak? In order to answer that question, I want us to turn in our Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to jump in in chapter 3 in just a moment. But 1 Samuel is interesting because we're at a point in Israel's history where they don't have a king. right? God is just leading them, and he leads them through these priests who will hear from God and deliver the message to God's people. And there's a priest at this time named Eli, and Eli finds himself in the temple one day when a woman named Hannah comes in. And Hannah is in a desperate spot because she wants to have a child. She wants to give birth and have someone to pass on, kind of their family heritage. And so she is praying in the temple before God, and she's so desperately praying, like words aren't even coming out. Like it's just, her, her lips are moving, but ben- anyone ever been in a desperate spot, and you just like felt like your spirit was groaning out to God on your behalf? And that's where she was. And Eli, the priest, he sees her, and he says, this woman's drunk. I mean, she's crazy. By the way, sometimes when we pursue God, people will think that we're out of our minds. And so he comes to confront her on being drunk, said, I haven't had anything to drink. I'm just desperate. I'm seeking God. And I've asked him, if he gives me a son, I'm going to give that son back to the temple to serve in service under you. That's exactly what happens. God blesses her with a child. She gives birth to a boy named Samuel. And when Samuel is of age, she drops him off with Eli and says, I want you to raise him up in the temple. I want him to be a man of God to serve under you. And I want this to be his privilege, his honor, his legacy that he leaves. And so Eli becomes this parent, this spiritual parent to this young boy named Samuel. That's where our story picks up in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. It says, The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions were not widespread. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place. Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was located. And then the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. I didn't call, Eli replied. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Once again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. I didn't call you, my son, he replied. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went went and and lay down down in his place. place. The The Lord Lord came, stood there, and called as before. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel listened. Speak, for your your servant is listening. The Lord said to Samuel, Samuel, I'm about to do something in Israel that everyone who hears about it will shudder. So you have this beautiful story here. this young boy at this time samuel's about 12 years old and samuel and eli they kind of are serving in the temple and so they go down for bed one night and as they're laying there god begins to speak to samuel samuel thinks it's eli so he goes in and says you call me no i didn't call you go back and lay down this happens three times finally on the third time Eli says, I know what's going on here. Samuel, the Lord is speaking to you. So I want you to go back and lie down. And when he speaks to you, just say, I'm ready and I'm listening. And so God delivers a message to Samuel. And I think this whole story says a lot about how Samuel positioned himself to hear from God. And it says a whole lot about how we need to make sure that we're ready to hear from God as well. And so if we're actually going to listen when he speaks, the first thing we need to do, what Samuel did, is we need to position ourselves. We need to position ourselves. Because where was Samuel when God spoke? Well, he was sleeping in the temple near the ark of the Lord. Now, the ark in the Old Testament, this is where the presence of the Lord dwelled. And so he's actually positioned himself in close proximity to God. And I wonder how many of us, we want to hear from God, but we've actually, the trajectory of our life has brought us all the way over here. And if we want to hear from God, we've got to get close to him. I love what James says, says, draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Now, here's the good news to hear from God. We don't have to show up at a church. You don't have to go to the temple. Why? Because when Jesus died on the cross, the veil that separated God's presence from the rest of the world was torn in two. And so we can position ourselves next to God anywhere. You can position yourself in the presence of God when you're laying in your bed first thing when you wake up in the morning. You can position yourself in the presence of God in your car on the way home from work. You can position yourself in the presence of God as you take a walk around your neighborhood after dinner. We can be in his presence whenever we want. And so if we want to hear from him, we have to be close to him. What I find so fascinating, though, is that when Samuel first hears from God, who does he think is calling him? Well, he thinks it's Eli, right? He thinks it's his spiritual parent. And how many of us know that sometimes when God speaks, it sounds a lot like our spiritual parents. It sounds a lot like the people with spiritual influence in our life. And I think, yes, we need to be positioned close to God, but we have to be positioned close to some spiritual parents in our lives too. We have to be positioned close to people who are gonna speak to us, who are gonna challenge us, who are gonna encourage us to continue to pursue and position ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Jesus. Several years ago, he was a young man, and he was in his early 20s, and he was dating a girl who was 17, and neither one of them had a great family dynamic, and so just a lot of unhealth there. one day he came, and he sat down with me, and he said, Matt, I think think God's calling me to get married uh, to this girl as soon as she turns 18. I said, oh, really? Why do you think that? He says, well, Paul says that if you cannot control your sexual passions, it's better for you to get married than to burn with these passions. So we just want to be obedient to the Lord, and we want to get married. And He said, what do you think? And I said, I think we need to pray about it, and let's get back together. So we pray about it, and we get back together. I said, well, what do you think the Lord said? He said, I think the Lord said we get married. He said, what do you think the Lord said? I said, I think you're wrong. (laughs) And people say all the time, Matt, what do you say when people say, well, the Holy Spirit told me this? I just tell them they're wrong, right? Because if the Holy Spirit really did tell you that, he's going to confirm it through other people. He's going to confirm it through scripture. And and, and he brings up the scripture. And I said, yeah, but Jesus also says that if your eye caused you to sin, gouge it out. And if your hand caused you to sin, cut it off so maybe the right response here is not to jump into marriage when you're not ready for it. Maybe it's to press pause on the relationship here. And I said, well, have you talked to anybody else? Yeah, I've talked to two other people I consider spiritual mentors. It's like, all right, what did they say? Well, they said the same thing that you said. I was like, all right, well, we're starting to gain a consensus here. So again, you can use scripture to justify what you want. In fact, by the way, not in a bad way, when somebody says the Holy Spirit told me this, just replace that with what I want to do is this. Right, And I do believe God can work through our desires. It doesn't mean that it's inherently wrong to want to do something. We're just like, okay, you want to do that. Here's what I think, and here's what these other people think. And unfortunately, he did not take our advice. And when she turned 18, they got married, and that marriage ended in a lot of heartbreak and divorce. And I just wonder if some of that could have been avoided if he had just positioned himself to listen to these spiritual parents in his life. Listen, are you looking for confirmation or are you looking for conviction? If you look for confirmation, you can find it. I know this because anybody ever car shopped online before? You're like looking like some of you are like, you know, I decided I'm done being cool. I'm ready to get a minivan, right? I like to call them multi-purpose vehicles because it makes it sound a little more cool. But you start looking for them all of a sudden, everywhere you drive, there's another one and there's another one. And that one looks kind of cool, right? You just start to notice it everywhere you go. Well, listen, if, you, if you're looking for something, you'll find it. If you're looking for confirmation of what you already believe, you can find that. But listen, we don't need to surround ourselves with people who are just going to tell us what we want to hear. I think it was Andy Stanley said, if you surround yourself with people who tell you what you want to hear, you'll find yourself surrounded with people who have nothing to say. And I don't know about you. I don't want people around me who have nothing to say. I want people who will challenge me and shame. we have to position ourselves to hear from God. But what I find fascinating, though, is There were two people who positioned themselves next to God, but only one of them heard from him because Eli was there too. But Eli didn't hear from God. It was Samuel. Why is that? Because the second thing Samuel did is not only did he position himself, he prepared himself. I think we have to prepare ourselves. Now, there's a sense in which he literally just had to prepare the circumstances to hear from God. Because he keeps hearing from God. He keeps thinking that it's Eli, and he goes back and forth. Which, by the way, don't you love that God doesn't stop calling just because we missed it the first time? I know some people are like, man, I feel like I missed God's call on my life. No, he's, he's, he's not on your timetable. He's going to keep calling until you're ready to respond. I love that Eli's advice is go back, lay down, and in the quiet wait. And then when he speaks, you can respond. Remember Samuel, he served in the temple. He offered sacrifices, there was worship, there was praise. God didn't show up in the sacrifices. God didn't speak to him in the busyness of ministry. God didn't speak to him in the hustle and bustle of the day. He spoke to him when he finally said, I'm just going to sit here in the quiet. I don't know if you remember, um, man, middle school, always rough, right? But you remember sitting in middle school, everybody's going crazy. You're laughing, joking with your friends. I mean, it's so loud. It sounds like a jet engine in the room. And all of a sudden you look up and the teacher's just standing up front like this. And everybody around you's going, and all of a sudden everybody starts to notice. And everybody, everybody gets quiet, quiet. And then there's really two things they say. The first one would be, In my 30 years of teaching, right, every year, I'm like, come on, people. I know we're not the worst class you've ever had. But the other thing to say is, you done? And I wonder how many of us, we just live these lives of such noise, right? The average person spends almost five hours a day on social media alone right? Didn't he throw in TV time or time in front of the computer? Like we're inundated with all of these messages and all of this noise. I saw a stat this week, the average American sees between four and 10,000 advertisements a day and then throw in podcasts and conversations. There's a lot of noise in our life. And I wonder if God, God came and he stood in the room with Samuel. And I wonder if he's standing in front of you today and say, you ready? Whenever you're done, Whenever you're willing to cut out the noise in your life, I'm ready to speak. And maybe the reason we haven't heard from is because we haven't prepared. By the way, that's why for me, taking a Sabbath has been transformational to my life. Because on Saturday, if you try to call me, text me on Saturday, I'm not going to have my phone with me. I'm not on social media. I'm not consuming. Because listen, I know you're like, but it's Saturday. It's the day before Sunday. Matt, what if somebody needs you? Because I mean this with all love and respect, I don't need to hear from you on Saturday. I need to hear from God. See, that's what I need in my life. That's what we all need. We need days. Listen, I know it's not conceivable to say we're cutting out all this digital stuff in our life, but couldn't we carve out space to create this opportunity for God to speak to us? Just because you create a quiet moment doesn't necessarily mean that God is going to speak. My wife had taken a trip to Augusta the other weekend and on the way back. She said she just created this quiet space and she just wanted to hear from God and didn't hear from him in the way she was expecting. And that's understandable, though, because you think about it in, in marriage relationships. There's times where my wife and I could both be sitting in a quiet room together and we're just sitting there. Doesn't always have to be conversation. See, there can be quiet, not conversation. But I'll tell you this, we never have real conversations when it's not quiet. If we need to have a real conversation, the kids aren't running around being crazy. The TV's not on. The music's not blasting. We need to create space for there to be an actual conversation. We might have to go out of the house. We might have to get date night, put the kids to bed, whatever it is. And so listen, just because we create the quiet doesn't mean that God will speak. But listen, I don't think God is going to speak until we create that space of silence. You got to prepare yourself. But again, God spoke to Samuel and not Eli. They were positioned Eli even knew how Samuel should prepare. Why didn't God speak to Eli? Because scripture tells us Eli had these sons who were disrespectful of God's temple. They were bringing in different fragrance and incense and they had disrespected God. They were living in disobedience. And not only were they living in disobedience, but Eli knew it and he chose not to confront his sons about it. And see, when he knew something was wrong, something needed correction, he chose silence. And in his disobedience, he did not prepare himself to hear from God. Because he didn't prepare his character. God says, fine, I'm just going to skip over you, and I'll speak to Samuel instead. See, we can't live lives where we're looking at porn every other night and then expect to hear from God. We can't live lives where we're just consumed by materialism and the next house, the next this, the next that, and expect to hear from God. We can't make idols out of our children or spouses and expect to hear from God. We can't live life all on our own. And by the way, you can be in close proximity. If this is God, we can be in close proximity. You can show up at church. You can be in life group. But if your life is turned away from him, you're not going to hear him because you're facing the wrong direction. We've got to prepare ourselves to hear from God. We have a few minutes left, so every week we do Q&A. If you have questions, you can text those in. Go ahead and throw it open to Q&A. Does God still speak through dreams or out loud? Great, great question. This is another common question that I'll get. And here's what I will say. Um, There are people who hear God speak in an audible voice. I have never heard God speak in an audible voice. So on one hand, I want to say some people have, and I'm not going to doubt that experience. But at the same time, if you have not heard God speak in an audible voice, it does not mean that he is not speaking to you. And does God speak through dreams? I think that he can speak through dreams. But in the same way that he can speak through scripture, but that's going to be confirmed in some of the other ways, whenever we feel like God is speaking to us, get confirmation through scripture, through people, through these impressions. Look to confirm it because God won't just speak to you in one way. He'll confirm it in other ways as well. See, because we're actually even in this story at the beginning, it said God hadn't spoken through prophetic visions and dreams in a long time. And so there can be a season where we may never experience those things, but it does not mean that God is not speaking to us. So that's a great, great question. And so I kind of want to wrap up with this. First, Samuel had to position himself. Second, he had to prepare himself. But then once he got the message, he had to proceed forward in obedience to the message. And see, I wonder if some of us, it's not that we're not hearing God, but we just haven't been obedient to fulfill it. So you're asking God to speak something new. And he's like, when you do the message the first time, then I'll give you the new message. And by the way, I love when God sends me an encouraging word. I think he does. I think he'll encourage us. I think he'll lift us up. I think all those things are true. But what Samuel got was not an encouraging word. In fact, it was a very difficult word. God told Samuel, I want you to know that judgment's coming on Eli's house. Judgment's coming on his sons, judgment's coming on Eli. And even though his sons should be the rightful people to take over leading next, it's actually going to be you. The call is going to pass from them to you. This was so scary, because again, 12-year-old boy, he's got the priest who's kind of leading Israel. And Eli says, What did God tell you? Samuel said, I don't want to tell you what God told me. (laughs) He said, No, I need you, I need you to tell me. You have to be obedient. Like that's how this whole thing works. And Samuel delivers the message. into Eli's credit, he's humble to receive that message. But that didn't mean it was an easy message to deliver. See, sometimes God's going to give us these encouraging words, but sometimes when he speaks, it's going to challenge us. See, it's not easy when God calls us to move. It's not easy when God tells us to quit our job. It's not easy when God tells us we need to go to counseling or enter rehab. It's not easy when he tells us we need to end the relationship. It's not always easy to follow God. But if we are going to hear from him, we have to be obedient. Because if we don't proceed forward with the message, no matter how hard it is, then that's the only message we get until we do what he's asked us to do. But see, here's the encouraging part about that. When God speaks, though, when he gives us a message, it comes with a mission. Like God has a purpose. He has a plan. He wants to speak to each and every one of us today. And that's why I want to challenge us for this next week. As we continue with our fixed prayer, morning, noon, and night kind of prayer rhythm, I want us to add in just three to five moments of silence with Jesus. Now, listen, this could be before you start your prayer. It could be right after one of those prayers. But I would just pick one of those prayer times and just include three to five minutes of silence afterwards. And God may speak to you in tangible ways, or he may not. But we have to be obedient to create that space, to position ourselves close to God in prayer, to prepare ourselves by cutting out the noise and letting him speak to us. And then when he speaks, to be obedient, to do what he's called us to do. My fear is that for many of us, maybe the only chance we're going to do that is here on Sunday morning. And so we're going to continue with worship like we do every single week, a time of communion. And so we have four communion stations on the sides and back of the room. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray and you can get communion as you feel led. We also have our prayer stations up at the front. There's just blank cards up there. If you just want to write a prayer to God and fold that up and put it in the prayer jar, it's just between you and God. There's also candles you can light throughout church history. Lighting candles has just been an outward symbol of just inwardly. I'm sending up this prayer to God. All that's available to you. But whatever you do in this moment, I'd encourage you just to maybe get communion, sit down, and just spend some time listening to God. And if you're like me and your mind tends to wander, that's okay. When it wanders, just come back, focus on Jesus, and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because if your mind wanders a thousand times, it's just a thousand opportunities for us to come back to him and to sit at his feet. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Jesus, we're so thankful that we serve a God who's still speaking to us today. That you spoke this world into existence. You spoke your words through the prophets and through the apostles. And that you're even speaking to the church today. So I pray that you would be with each and every person here as we go throughout the week whether it's through scripture or people or impressions or circumstances, I pray that you would speak to us. But I also ask that you help us to be disciplined enough to position ourselves in your presence, to position ourselves around spiritual parents who can mentor us, who can shape us, who can help us grow up in the faith. Help us to position ourselves by cutting out things that are just white noise and that we would create space to hear from you. And as you speak, would you give us the boldness? Would your spirit fill us and empower us to move forward in obedience? Because Jesus, we don't just do this because we want to have a good prayer life. We do this because we want to look more like you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bridgepoint Church Podcast. I hope we've shared something meaningful for you wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. Just so you know a little bit more about us, we meet on Sunday mornings in downtown Woodstock, but we also meet during the week in what we call life groups, and that's where the really good stuff happens for us. If you're becoming a regular listener of this podcast, we'd like to invite you to make it relational, just like we do during the week. Grab a Bible, invite some friends to join you, and turn this into a conversation. If you're already a regular listener and would like to support this ministry financially, You can do so by visiting us online at bpc.life and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening.